that sound you hear is me walking through the empty car doctor studio. Hi, I'm Tom Ray, Ron's chief engineer, and, well, we were going to do a live show today, being Christmas Eve, but Tony decided he would rather go roast chestnuts someplace, and I, it's kind of difficult down in Brooklyn, but, hey, you know, whatever floats your boat. Um, so I showed up at the studio, and Ron's wife told me that he's not going to be here. The last time she saw him, he was wearing an elf outfit, strapping a large inflatable snowman to the back of his truck, and said he was heading to the North Pole to help Santa with the trip tonight. I don't get it. I, 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 I don't know how to reach him. He's not answering his cell phone. So we need to give you a show. So what I've done is I've reached into the archives, and I've pulled out a couple of hours of our previous Christmas shows. And this is the best of the car doctor. Ron and Anian. It will make the steering wheel shake. It will make the car shake. And the majority of time, it's due to the brake rotors. The rotors themselves, the expression is the rotors are warped. The industry term is the rotors have excessive runout. Fragile. It must be Italian. The car doctor. Is it typical to start having some types of transmission problems with this truck? Has that closed system. Yeah, I'm very familiar with this system, Patrick. This is the vehicle that there's no dipstick because it lasts forever until it blows up, one or the other. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? And now, best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Here's Ronnie. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list, checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Hey, is your oxygen sensor getting hot enough? I hope so. That's why Santa's sleigh can fly. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here. Call in now on the Car Doctor hotline at 855-560-9900. That number is toll free to call into the Car Doctor studio, 855-560-9900. And remember, it's 24-7, anytime, day or night. If you call and this radio show is not on the air, you can leave a message in Fast Harry. FastHarry.com will call you back. The Car Doctor's website is CarDoctorShow.com. Remember, if you're looking for an affiliate list of the Car Doctor, if you don't have one in your neck of the woods and you want to find out how or where you can listen to The Car Doctor, you can access either cardoctorshow.com and wander over to the left side of the screen. You'll see tunein.com, and don't forget to visit us on Facebook, too, Ron and Annie and The Car Doctor. O2 sensors, I've said this for years, are like the Rodney Dangerfield of auto repair. They get little respect. Imagine that if you're an oxygen sensor, to work, you've got to shove your head into a metal pipe You've got to be asked to work at extreme exhaust temperatures, in some cases 600 degrees or higher, and you've got to be asked to get out of bed anytime, day or night, all types of weather, hot, cold, or any point in between. It's a tough job, even for, an, even for a sensor. But what happens when that sensor doesn't get hot? What happens when that sensor doesn't come online? 1998 Jeep Cherokee came into our automotive this past week. 
Check engine light was on, multiple parts replaced. The customer had been trying to fix it on his own, save a couple of bucks. Some other repair shops had gotten involved in it. And it still had the same basic problems. Multiple codes for O2 sensors front and rear. And the codes ranged everything from P0132, P0135, P0138. Shorted, no activity, lack of response, insufficient information received, and so on. Both sensors were new. The customer had replaced them, and he had had a shop do the one front one because he explained to me that when it came out, it was seized and it required a little bit of heat to wake it up and, and get it out as if an O2 sensor doesn't run hot enough anyway, but they had to retap it and thread it and make that work. And even so, after that, clearing the codes, within a couple of minutes, that check engine light would come right back on again. When I attacked it and I began the diagnosis, I noticed that there was no real O2 sensor activity. They were both stuck at 1 volt. They were both right there staring me in the face, 1.0, 1 volt. No variation, no, no change up and down, just stuck at a volt. The vehicle never went into closed loop, meaning that the onboard computer never saw O2 sensor activity in a sufficient amount. And even though it had engine temperature, it never saw a change in O2s. It kept running its fixed program to try and keep the vehicle on course. I unplugged one harness, and the voltage at the O2, as per the scan tool, stayed the same. I unplugged the other, and it made no difference. They both still read one volt on the scan tool. And I sat there, and I thought about it for a minute, and I said... How can I have one volt if they're both unplugged? And then I realized I'm looking at a bias voltage, which is an underlying voltage in a circuit on an O2 sensor on some older vehicles that's there whether or not we wish to see it and whether or not we wish to use it, but it's there. It's also part and parcel. It could be a computer-generated voltage, but whatever it was, it wasn't a result of the sensors themselves because they were disconnected. The other thought that went through my head was, do I have a short in the harness? Do I have something else really drastic going on here? And when I looked it over and started poking my way through the harness, uh, something in the back of my head said, and I kind of remember my college professor who always told me, keep it simple, son. I went back to something else. I went back to basics. To diagnose, you need information. I mean, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no other way to explain it. To diagnose electrical, you need a wiring diagram. I went through the O2 sensor circuit, and it told me, among other things, that fuse, th- fuse 23 in the underhood junction box. In other words, an O2 sensor is a simple four-wire animal. It's got a signal line and a ground. That's one side of it. It's got a, 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 a positive or a hot and a ground. That's the electrical heater side of it. That electrical heater side is fed through fuse 23. The fuse was blown. No heat, no work. Big problem. I asked the customer, I said, just out of curiosity, you know, was there anything else, you know, above and beyond with regard to sensors that made you want to change these O2s? And he said, well, there was a problem. You, there, there was a problem with regard to the one rear sensor was wrapped around and not doing its job. It wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. It had wrapped around the drive shaft and ripped the wiring out. And I said, well, okay, that kind of makes sense. Fuse 23 was blown. And what ended up being was that with a blown fuse, the circuit never woke up and it never got to the point where it would turn the O2s on. So hence the one volt I was looking at was computer generated. 75 cents later, one fuse. 
the Jeep O2s, they were working like champs. They were doing everything they were supposed to do. Bottom line, not every sensor failure is an automatic sensor. The key to understand how it works and take that understanding and make it work on its own. You always try to take a component out of the vehicle. Does it need power? Does it need ground? Where does the signal come from? And how does it get to its computer, the PCM, the BCM, or whatever computer it is that it's going to be talking to, long-term, short-term? As complicated as today's cars are, the basics are still true, and you've always got to be part of it. You know, the words of my college physics professor still ring true. Always kiss the problem. You want to keep it simple, son. Because to me, well, stupid doesn't sound very nice. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions, whatever you've got going on. The Car Doctor email is ron at cardoctorshow.com if you wish to comment about this or anything else you hear during the course of the next two hours. The Car Doctor hotline, like I say, is 855-560-9900. That is toll-free. That is there for you 24-7. You can call up, leave a message, fastharry, fastharry.com. We'll call you back, talk to you about your car problem. We've got a bunch of things going on this hour. We're going to be talking to Paul Marshall from All Data. Paul is going to be coming by the garage. We're going to be talking about some of the changes over at All Data with regards to information and specifically how you access it. Um, a lot of changes in the information world for mechanics, repair shops, and the do-it-yourselfers in that now information is appearing on your smartphone, on a tablet, on your iPad. We're going to talk to Paul about that and some of the challenges that that presented in order for him to be able to do that. But you are here to take your calls this hour at 855-560-9900. We'll return right after this to do just that. Don't go away. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. My two front teeth. See my two front teeth. Gee, if I could only have my two front teeth, then I could wish you Merry Christmas. It seems so long since I could say. Thumpity, thumpity, look at Frosty go. Hey, welcome back. Ron and in the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Have you noticed, well, not that you've noticed, but did anybody read the news story this week out on out on the press? Paul Eisenstein from the Detroit Bureau, DetroitBureau.com, covered it. Imports, it starts out, are planning a major boost in North American production. Nissan, Honda, and several foreign automakers are increasing the number of vehicles they produce in North America, the article starts out. And it talks about they're beginning new production at a plant in Mexico. Honda is announcing that as much as 90% of the vehicles they sell in North America will soon be produced locally, meaning here on this on this continent. It's not alone, as it points out. Toyota, Nissan, Volkswagen... And I guess they are so-called imports now because they are steadily expanding. They are be uh, they are becoming production-based here, not overseas, and they're ramping up regional production. Just three decades now. It's only three decades since Honda opened their first assembly line in Marysville, Ohio. And I wonder what that says to the American auto industry. What that says to those guys that are out of work out in Detroit. And well, we're going to talk about this as we go on this hour. But right now, let's get over to the phones and. See what's going on. Hi, Ron and Annie in the car doctor. Who's this? Hi, this is Stan. Hey, Stan. How are you? I lost my call screen, so I'm going to have to shoot from the dark here at the hip. What can I do for you today? That's right. Well, the uh, reason I was calling was uh, a couple weeks, well, actually, it was probably more than that, 
ago. I've been on the road. Uh, you were uh, talking, and I was driving, as usual, and you had mentioned a product, uh, three letters, that was, uh, you know, good for engine. And I couldn't remember, like, CW, X, or X. Or some sort of a thing. Oh, are you looking for the product, or what are you trying to do, Stan? Are you trying to clean the inside of the engine out? That's right. Uh, you're looking for a fuel system cleaner, or is it a fuel system cleaner? Or no, you're looking for CRC, the product from CRC valve clean. You're looking because okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember whether it was a product you added to fuel was one you actually would put into your, uh, you know, into the like mix it with the oil. Well, CRC has a couple of different products out there. They've got one valve clean that you add to the crankcase. I mean, the directions are right on the can. What is it that you're trying to accomplish? What are you? What are we chasing here? Well, well, basically, it was just like a preventive maintenance thing. I was on the road. I heard it. Sounded to me like it would make a. a a sensible thing to do, and actually, as I remember, I'm from Maine, and I think the fellow you were talking to that day happened to have been from Maine also, and um, so, it, but as I said, I was driving, and by the time I got off the road, you know, I'd forgotten <laughs> the three, three, and you'd also mentioned, you know, places that you could uh, purchase this, if I remember right. Um, I think what we were talking about was CRC One Tank Power Renew, their fuel system cleaner. Absolutely. Yep. One Tank. That's, that's helpful. Man. That's yep. what it was. And and the advantage there is, and I'll, and I'll tell you a quick story about One Tank Power Renew. Uh, you know, we tried that product around the shop. Now, it's interesting. I, I didn't tell my office manager, Lou, and Lou is, is a very much a car guy. Just because he works in the office of the shop doesn't mean he's – you know, he's he's not in tune, so to speak, no pun intended. And we poured a bottle of, of one-tank power renew into his car. He drives a 95 Olds, an older Oldsmobile. He actually purchased out of Texas about three years ago. The car has uh, 65, 68,000 miles on it, something like that. So it's a low-mileage, well-preserved, almost 20-year-old vehicle at this point. And he was always complaining about his fuel economy. And long story short, we put a bottle of one tank power renew in told him we were going to add something but didn't tell him what it was going to do and i just said lou you know tell me does the car run any better do you notice any difference you know what do you think and he came back to me in a week and he showed me because lou keeps track of his fuel economy he's 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 very uh, fastidious i guess is the right word and and you know he actually gained i forget what the exact i think it was a mile and a half to two miles per gallon or a little bit more but he said the biggest thing is i noticed that the cold bog i had because he had this between cold and hot warm-up point where the engine would kind of nose in and it didn't have that pop to it he said i noticed that all of a sudden that's gone and you know it, it made a difference i put it in my plow truck it made a difference Danny put it in his my other my tech. He put it in his '99 Chevy Silverado. It makes a difference both in in idle quality, performance, fuel economy, and I've come to the conclusion that it's probably one of the premier, if not the premier, fuel system cleaners on the market today, from my own personal experience. And I bet you that's what you heard me talking about. CRC One Tank Power Renew. When you added the words One Tank, 
Yeah. Uh, Power Rangers. That, that it, it all clicked back in. I just couldn't remember the whole thing. Right so. now, now if you want to read more about this and you want to, you know, find out about the other products CRC has because they do have a couple of different products out there. Well, not a couple. They've got quite a few. Um, they can attack and maintain the car from all angles. Get out to crcindustries.com. Okay, I will do that. All right. You also mentioned in the Northeast, where I do live, Shell Gas is good. Right. We, we like that. And I, I do appreciate that. I had one other question. Sure, go ahead, Stan. What, Two for a nickel. What, what about oil? I, I haven't. I've never heard you mention you know whether there's you know by by gas you you've mentioned Shell oil. Are there any that you prefer over others? Right now, I think the oil company that's got it going on as far as in touch with the marketplace. Um, good engineering, solid performance, and the numbers to back it up is Pennzoil. Um, you know, it's 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 no secret that Pennzoil and Pennzoil Ultra is the premier synthetic oil in the marketplace today, as well as their conventionals. And you can just get out to Pennzoil.com and read more about what they've got going on. Uh, the key thing that I like about Pennzoil is they talk about engine and piston cleanliness. They 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 actually have a report up on Pennzoil.com where they do comparisons between Pennzoil Mobile One and the other manufacturers of oil in the in the marketplace today. And they point out some anomalies or they point out some imperfections that the other guys leave behind, whereas they don't. And they talk about clean engine. You know, let me like this. I had a conversation with someone the other day. We were talking about propane powered vehicles. And one of the comments was that oil in a propane-powered vehicle can last longer in between changes, and they couldn't understand why. And I said, because it's a different type of fuel. It burns uh, a cleaner, so to speak. There's less combustion byproduct because it's all about how clean you leave the engine. And this was based on some reports. We had done some research. We looked it up on the Internet, and I don't know what we ever did without the Internet trying to fix cars years ago. But uh, long story short – Pennzoil realizes that it's all about how clean the engine is, and 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 it's all about how how much you don't leave behind, and you know that's what oil's job is to do. It's to keep the engine clean. It's to hold particulate and suspension. It's to lubricate, and you know on and on and on. Next year, coming up on the Car Doctor in 2014, one of the things we're going to do is um, we're going to have some folks on from Pennzoil because we're going to talk about lubrication issues and what some of the basic jobs of motor oil are. Because your question is right in line with what we've been receiving of late from all the listeners out there, yourself included, that, you know, how do you pick a good oil? What are some of the basics about it? And uh, we're going to try and help solve that for you if that answers your question. All right, Stan? Good, yeah. When I was a kid, of course, it was a long time ago, uh, Castrol seemed to be the thing that we all thought we needed to put into our engines, but that's changed over over the time. So I, I just really had no idea. I do use a product, uh, Lucas Products. Uh, they make one... Um, it comes in gallon containers and put a quarter in when you change your oil. You know, it's for engines that have got a lot of wear and that kind of stuff. It right. It's to work. Right. But I, I certainly will try the Pennzoil. I think that's uh, – I, I appreciate that information. You're very welcome, Stan. And the CSC. I oh. mean, I, I, knew, I knew I was bumping around on the highway and couldn't get that all right now. But when you use the term one tank power renewal, that's it. Product. Hey, Stan, I appreciate the call. My best – for the holidays and the new year for you and all my listeners out there in Maine as well as the rest of the country. And uh, thanks again for being a Car Doctor fan. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. Coming up next, Paul Marshall of All Data. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. 
Welcome back, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. You know, if you've been a Car Doctor listener for any length of time or you've taken your car into a repair shop, you know that it's not like it was, geez, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, last week. Uh, You know, every day we're adding more and more information, more and more ways that that vehicle has to be repaired that without information, we will hopelessly die on the vine. And even for the do-it-yourselfer, for them to survive, for them to do some of the basic, simple tasks that they do, to change oil, you need information. And we've always made it a point of this show to express that and to always go the extra mile to try and find you the best. And we've got one of the best with us today. That'd be Paul Marshall from All Data, All Data Repair. Paul's been a guest on The Car Doctor before, and we're glad to have him back. Paul, how are you today, sir? I'm doing great, Ron. Thanks for having me on the show. All that is one of the industry leaders with repair information. And I want to talk specifically about mobile uh, information today because I think that's the next trend. But before I do, uh, you know, can you just touch the highlights? What's new at All Data this year in general? Because I know you guys have added an awful lot of content and an awful lot of information. Well, outside of continually adding to our database every day um, and supporting our users every day, of course, we are doing our mobile initiative. Um, we're building out an all-data community where our all-data professional users could um, ask questions, exchange information, all within the all-data environment. Uh, We're moving our shop management program online. So now you could host all your data on the cloud. Don't have to worry about all data corruption issues, you know, within your shop. And um, that's about it right now. That's actually quite a bit. Listen, I was going to say that's quite a bit, Paul. Don't sell yourself short. So, busy year. yeah, it's been a busy year. And you know what? The year goes by very quickly. And before you know it, you blink and you're, you're facing January every year again. So for the longest time, information systems, all data, everything's been desktop computer based. And now things are moving into the cloud. But for the guy in the shop, maybe he doesn't want to be tied to, um, you, you know, where he's got to walk over to that computer. Maybe it's at the, at the other end of the building. Maybe there's only one computer and it's up front and the boss doesn't let them have anything in the back, but there's wireless in the building. Enter enter the information mobile age. And what sort of issues were involved in trying to bring that to market? Because it can't be as simple as turn a switch and go, right? No, basically you have to rewrite your whole program to run on a tablet. But we really believe that it's, it's, it's worth the effort because the advancement of mobile within a shop is just amazing. Because one, you get away from that single PC, and also you get away from the fragile um, laptop computer. And you just can't beat the convenience, reliability, durability, and the low operational cost of a, of a mobile device. Now, I notice that you your, your first step, and, you know, like you always say to me, Paul, you, 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 you walk before you run, that you've got it on iPad right now. And I've got to think that trying to wheel an iPad around is so much easier than trying to drag this laptop from car to car. Correct. It's much easier to set it down in places instead of precariously setting your your laptop on a on a fender, you know, per se. Um, yeah, it's, it's just so much nicer to to cart around, and you could also keep it in your toolbox too. Now, does mobile data um, also transfer over some way, shape, or form to the consumer? Can they purchase a mobile subscription? We do have um, on our product roadmap for this coming year, 
building out a DIY version of the mobile app. And it will basically mirror what users uh, enjoy today with alldataDIY.com, but in the mobile format. But we felt it was, it was better to start with the professional. It appears that the demand is much more in the professional repair market, so we decided to start start there. Now, so in other words, and just to refresh everybody's memory, um, all data DIY for the for the weekend warrior, the weekend mechanic, as I call them, um, they can purchase a one car subscription um, uh, specific to one year make and model, or is it a car line? I don't remember. It's it's a, a, a single year make model and specific engine. Okay. And and that will then be transferred at some point, you're saying, next year, second quarter, third quarter, over to the mobile side? Closer to the end of the year. Okay. Okay. Talk a little bit about one of the things I was when I was reading the information you'd sent. Uh, it talked about how with the mobile application, you're auto-populating the VIN because everything is so specific to the vehicle. I, um, how are you doing that? we did is, and again, we're kind of just starting out with vehicle connectivity or the technology used to connect to the vehicle and start reading information off of it. What we do is we connect uh, to the uh, OBD2 port uh, via Bluetooth, and we're able to read the VIN if the VIN is available with that vehicle. Some older vehicles, 2000, 1999, don't support VINs, but most of them later on do. What we do is we set up a, a service here where we actually translate the VIN then auto-populate that repair information set specifically for that vehicle. So there's no manual guessing whatsoever when, when uh, you first start that repair process. Now, I noticed one of the other things that on the mobile application, and I guess we can do it on computer too, but I'm thinking that it's got to be a lot more user, what's the word I'm looking for, friendly? No, not friendly, but more, it, it, it's the idea of taking the wiring diagram and pinch to zoom. I thought that was a great feature. So what you're, in essence, doing is you're eliminating the need to print a wiring diagram to a point. Correct. Yeah, the pitch and zoom is a huge feature for diagrams, even diagnostic flow charts, where there's a lot of content. It's kind of hard to read on a computer screen. You can pinch and zoom, or especially if you have eyesight like mine, you can pinch and zoom on a procedure and just makes it that much easier to read. And, and, and then the, the, the one that really won me over with the idea was, so you're using this iPad and you're working on, oh, you know, uh, solving this corroded solenoid issue or something on the left side of the engine compartment. You've got the iPad in hand. You guys really did your homework, I have to say. Um, you take a picture of it. You can email it right off the iPad to the customer. And, you know, hey, Paul, here's your, here's your left valve cover leak. Or here's your here's the extra valve cover leak that we found. We were trying to fix this problem. We found this one, and you're communicating with the customer right from the fender. Yeah, and what you're describing is um, going to be our near future when it comes to our community services. We have a, a vision where we have a very large user base, and we want to get them as communicating or get them communicating with each other as much as possible, sharing as much information as possible. And with that uh, tablet, you can do that. You can record. Uh, short movie clips. You can take pictures. And also, um, we're moving into automotive diagnostics. So if you have any information that you've read from that vehicle, you could save it and share it also. But that's down the line. That's down our product uh, update. Is 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 it going to look radically different? I'm, I'm not asking that question right, Paul. You know, when we start to look at 
we know where all data was five years ago. If you had to go two years out, how radically different is it going to look, do you think, both mobile and desktop? And will there be a desktop version, do you think, at that point? I think there will always be a desktop version, but it's what position that desktop version is. Right now, the desktop version, the web-based version, which you see on the web, is the forerunner by a long shot. And this initial mobile rollout is in support of that. It's behind that. Right. But there's going to be a leapfrog that's going to happen where mobile will be the forerunner. And whatever you have through a browser will be the support mechanism for that. Do you think mobile will make its way over to the Droid? Oh, actually, we're releasing our Droid version next month. Okay, cool beans. Hey, it's going to be. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, it's actually going to be released on January 15th. Okay. Any idea on pricing on mobile in general for the repair shops? Um, it depends on basically the the current account we're we're offering it to existing users right now, and the pricing discussion is going to happen basically with another department. Gotcha. Okay. Good way to handle that, Paul. I like that. Well, always fun talking with you, Paul. Where, where can the listeners, where can the shops, where can the DIYers go for more information? Go to alldataDIY.com. Okay. And uh, for DIY-specific information, if anybody needs to know about the professional products or more information on the mobile app, just go to alldata.com. Cool beans. Paul, as you guys evolve next year, you know the door's always open. You're always welcome to come back. Let's talk about it. And uh, I, I always like to keep the listeners informed, and it's it's always fun talking to you on air. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Ron. I really pr- we really appreciate your support. Not a problem. We'll talk again real soon. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor. We'll be back to take your calls at 855-560-9900 right after this. Going back to this article we were reading at the top, we were talking about how imports are planning a boost in North American production. Um, It's interesting to note that part of the problem is going to be that as they increase production, Detroit is having some issues. They haven't added new plants. They've been trying to expand operations as the demand is justified, but it's going to be a tough road for them to hoe. Just this week, GM finally announced plans that they're going to invest $1.3 billion, that's with a B, dollars into five existing plants in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana, but a little late to the plate, as we like to say sometimes. We're going to have to watch this in the future. It's going to be interesting to see where North American car production goes and who's making the most of what. Let's get back to the phones. Let's go over and talk to John in Union, New Jersey, with a 2005 Chevy Equinox. See what's going on here. John, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help you, sir? Okay. Uh, my wife purchased a used five Equinox in 2007 with 26,000 miles on it. It now has 96,000 miles. 
the symptoms are that a couple of months ago, there was a smell of antifreeze. Two weeks ago, there was a bubbling sound of a fluid moving through the car. That sound has since stopped. Okay. Also, there's a lack of power, a slight pulling feeling when driving up a steep hill. My wife went to a local mechanic who examined it, and this mechanic said that the problem was with the intake gas intake gasket leaking coolant. He said the repair would take about seven hours and cost about seven hundred dollars. Okay. I I went online and found that it's, this is common with the 2005 equinoxes to have head gasket problems. And then I started reading that a number of these owners found that other repairs had to be done, most commonly spark plugs. Other repairs were thermostats, water pumps, EGR, and solenoid. And my question is, one, what are the realistic problems that are associated with the head gasket problem? Two, what is the potential cost? And three, what would you recommend? <laughs> well, you know, you I don't know if you realize it, John, but you're asking about two different gaskets. You mentioned an intake manifold gasket that the mechanic said was bad on the car, and you're asking about a head gasket. Well, I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, based on what my, my wife told me and what I found online. All right. So so here's the deal, all right? Um, you, you're, you're in the right area. Right right church, wrong pew, as I like to say, all right? Okay. So if, if the head gasket was the equivalent of your hat, all right, mm-hmm. that's the gasket that keeps your head warm. The intake gasket's your shirt, all right? They're both attached to your body. They're both part and parcel of, 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 of that piece of equipment, but they're in two different areas. They can both cause a coolant leak. They can both cause coolant issues. Does it have any trouble codes? Did the vehicle set any codes? I, from, I've been in the car with my wife. I didn't. You're asking, is the panel light up or something? Right. Is there a, is there a check engine light or any kind of warning light on on the dashboard? I, I didn't. My wife never mentioned, and I never saw it. Okay. So you know, right now we're dealing with a coolant loss. You said it's it's going through coolant. Right. My wife had when she had her oil change. The uh, person who changed your oil said that uh, he had added coolant to it. Okay, so it's low on coolant. When the mechanic diagnosed it, did he explain? You know, and I'm not getting a good feeling from this. I have to tell you, um, did he explain? Did he explain anything with regard to procedure? How he diagnosed it? Is this an educated guess that it's an intake, or does he know this be- for sure because he ran test one, two, and three? Uh, to tell you the truth, I think it was very superficial. My wife brought it over. He said it might be just a hose, and then right. he, he sort of looked at it for uh, couldn't have been more than five, ten minutes, and gave her his, his his guess. Yeah, no diagnosis. John, stay put. I've got to put you on hold for a second. I've got to pull over and pay some bills, and then when we come back, I want to I want to give your call the time it deserves. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Bills will be
beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Hey, welcome back. We're on an Indian in the car doctor here. We're talking to John in Union, New Jersey, about his 05 Chevy Equinox and some coolant loss. John, are you still there, sir? Yes, I am. Uh, you know, the issue here, John, is it really hasn't been diagnosed. You know, the way he described that it could be an intake manifold is like me saying, I think it's going to be nice weather tomorrow, but I haven't read the weather report yet. Um, you know, it's very off the cuff. And the problem is when it comes down to the cost to repair, um, it's very involved. All right. You know, he's right. In doing the intake manifold, it's easily a day's labor. It's a lot of work. And if it's not an intake manifold gasket and he goes through all that and spends all that kind of money and then it's head gaskets, guess what? He's got to take the intake manifold gasket back out that he just put in in order to get to the head gaskets because one's below the other. So I, I think what you've got to, A, do is get it properly diagnosed, and a competent mechanic will be able to do that in looking at what he needs to look at, whether it's head gasket alone or whether it's intake. The one thing you have to consider, and the clock's going to grab me, and I apologize, is that you've got to consider if you put this major money into the car, what would you do if another major component broke? What would that do to how you feel about fixing this? If you have any comments or anything else, email me, Ron, at cardoctorshow.com. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. 